This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, I'm Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Seattle, Andrew Dumont from Moz and Stride. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good, how are you? Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the WP Elevation Podcast. Uh, just before we dig in to learn a little bit about Andrew and what he's up to, um, a quick announcement of a competition. Uh, Andrew has kindly offered to give away two months of the freelancer plan of his Stride CRM app, which we're going to learn a little bit more about. So stick around for details on how you can win that prize. All right, Andrew, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, actually, oddly enough, I, I, uh, I wanted to be a stockbroker, and I'm not sure why, uh, but I think a lot of it was because of, uh, I watched a lot of uh, Wall Street and Boiler Room when I was growing up, <laughs> and of course, you know, that looked very appealing aside from, you know, the downside, no, not, not to be a spoiler here, but, you know, the downside of the movie at the end, um, but for some reason, that was, that was interesting to me. Um, so I guess I kind of wanted to be that. I never really wanted to be a, an astronaut or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I did want to do stock uh, investing, and I'm not sure why. Um, I do a little bit investing now on, on my uh, kind of on independently, but yeah, I'm not sure why. But I guess that's kind of what I've always or what I wanted to be when I was younger. And then that obviously morphed to where I am, you know, what I'm doing today. So. Yeah. Not sure how I got here, but there is something. I think there is something quite glamorous and quite powerful about those men in suits playing with other mm-hmm. people's money and having the, the you know the fast lifestyle, the you know the ladies and the cars and the the, the fine dining out. There is definitely yeah. something appealing about that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and I guess you could say the startup world has kind of become that. Not yeah. really though, but yeah, but yeah, more yeah. nerdy, but more nerdy, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and more hoodies, less suits and more hoodies. Right. right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when did you discover the World Wide Web? Um, yeah. So I was actually, so my first startup that I did was uh, when I was 18 um, and I was actually going to school and I, I read this article about this company that was doing um, group text messaging. They were starting this group text messaging company. And this was back in, you know, 2000, 2007, I believe. Um, so, you know, it was kind of early on in the SMS days and, uh, yeah, I read an article about it and it kind of intrigued me and I was a college student I didn't have any money and didn't have a job really. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll see what they're up to. And the founder and I met a couple of times and, and kind of hit it off. Um, so that was kind of my first experience. I joined that company and, um, we were bootstrapped, but we, we just raised a small round. I think it was about 250 K in angel funding. Um, so I worked out of a basement. It was in his parents' basement for the first uh, year that we were there. Uh, and then we raised another round. And um, then I went and did it full-time. So I dropped out of school um, and worked on that full-time. And then I actually returned back to school. And, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so that was kind of my first experience with startups as a whole. And ever since then, I've just been completely in love and uh, addicted to it. Um, so that's kind of where I've, I've spent my time since then. And, and what is it, uh, because, you know, you just mentioned there that you fell in love with it and you've become completely addicted to it. What is it about being an entrepreneur and the startup space? What, what is it that is so addictive? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I do know. But, you know, if you think about it logically, it almost makes you feel kind of like a crazy person because it's, <laughs> it's so much more painful than just getting a day job, you know, and so much more work than going nine to five, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But there's something about the, uh, I love the product creation and conception phase 
And, and that was kind of what I initially fell in love with was that initial product conception phase. But now actually the part that I'm really falling in love with at Moz is the, you know, we have a product, we have a revenue model, and now we need to scale it to become a real company, right? So, um, so I really enjoy, I've, I've found that I really enjoyed all portions of it. I do enjoy probably the, con or the product creation and initial development phase the most, which is why I focused, or which is why I spent time on Stride, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's addicting. I mean, I don't know why, but I guess it's just the, the passion that goes along with it, the, um, the thrill of, of having an idea and making it a reality is just something that you can't get anywhere else. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy though. It is. <laughs> I think you just, you, you just touched on it then. It's the thrill, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's like a modern day caveman. Like we no longer need to go out yeah. to the wild and hunt food. So for me, the startup, like building a startup company for me is like the modern day version of that. It's that thrill of the, you know, creating something from nothing, the, the kind of the, the chase for the big kill, you right. know? Yeah, yeah. And it's a blast. Like, I mean, I wouldn't change it for anything else. I mean, that's why I keep, that's why I keep doing it, right? A comfy job where I get a big salary and don't get to build stuff is, is not fun to me. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, let's talk a little bit. Let's move into uh, today and let's talk a little bit about, uh, let me just turn my auto lock off on the iPad so it doesn't, so it doesn't keep going off on me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what it is you do today. Now, um, we were just talking about this uh, pre-interview. So you, at the moment, you are business development at Moz and you have your own uh, app, Stride, which is a CRM app we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, later. So how do you describe what you do in one sentence? When, some, when you meet someone for the first time, they say, hey, what do you do, Andrew? What's your, what's your one-sentence elevator pitch? Uh, I think I, I grow startup companies. It's probably like my, if I had to give a very quick one-sentence awesome. uh, awesome. description. So at Moz, it's very much focused on uh, channel development and growth and scaling my team to focus on that. So I run business development at Moz, which is it's now a 150-person company. And when wow. I joined two years ago, it was only 20-something. So oh, my God. It's, it's grown a lot, right? So we're going through a lot of the growing pains that goes along with that. But um, at a fundamental level, my, my job is to find new growth channels for us and um, execute on those and test them, see if they're viable, um, see if they're scalable. And if so, then I staff up. Um, around those channels and, and let them grow. So um, that's like fundamentally what I do. And, and I guess you could say it's similar at Stride, but, but not really. I mean, obviously as a bootstrap product, my hats vary um, a lot depending on the day, but it goes anything from, from you know, writing code and uh, you know, doing product work to, or to managing paid acquisition and uh, you know, whatever else I have to do, right? So, um, yeah, so it's kind of all across the board, but at a fundamental level, I guess you could say that I, 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 gross, I gross startups, and I don't want to say growth hacking because I, I'm annoyed with the term, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess you could say growth hacking. <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk about this, because I was in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, and I went to a Hacker News meetup, and, uh, and I, I sort of didn't really know much about that scene at all. I was pretty green, but all these conversations were happening around you know, people not wanting to use the growth hacking term, but everyone was talking about growth hacking. So why do you think growth hacking has become like a bit of a dirty word? Well, I think with any popular term, right, it, it's popular because it, it should be popular, right? Um, like I think the, the fundamental concept behind growth hacking is actually very legitimate and it's very important for a startup. Yeah. Um, but I think once a term starts becoming popular, um, then you get a lot of people that don't really know what the hell they're doing, um, <laughs> latch onto it, right, because it's the popular thing, right? So really what happens is when it comes to the point where it starts taking off, that's when other people grasp onto it and that's when it becomes a dirty word because people essentially tarnish 
you know, the, the, the term by kind of attaching it to what they do, even though that's, that's not really what they do. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what happened with, with growth hacking is it, it got a little dirty because uh, it spread so quickly. It's funny, you know, a similar thing happened to me with internet marketing. Like if you use mm-hmm. the word internet marketing in most circles, people just shudder and think of the, the snake oil salesman, you know, setting up a dirty opt-in page and trying to... Well, look at, look at SEO. I mean, yeah, look right. at SEO. SEO is yeah. the dirtiest word on the internet, right? Yeah. And rightfully so, right? There's a lot of people that screwed it up for the few SEO people that are doing really good work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just the nature of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've answered my next question. What do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is just related to what I'm doing at, at, at Stride and at Moz. I mean, my, my mind is constantly going, I'm constantly reading, constantly learning, um, in terms of what works like at, at Stride, it's playing around with things like revenue model and, um, whether we should go from freemium to free trial, you know, at Moz, it's like, it's things, you know, like, you know, does this channel, if we change this certain thing, would it scale better? Would it go faster? Um, you know, so it, things like that. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of a loser and I spend a lot of time just thinking about business and technology and startups. Like, I, I totally live and breathe it. So yeah. uh, outside of that, I don't think about too much else, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and I realize how sad that is. I don't think it's sad at all, mate. For what it's worth, I don't think you're a loser at all. Okay, <laughs> I'm, good. Thanks, man. I'm the I same, man. It. I'm like, you know. My, my fiance is always asking me, whenever we're having dinner, my fiance is always like, where are you? Are you present? Are you here? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm think, maybe I'm thinking a little bit about Facebook ads. I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. This, okay. So, what do you do when you're not working? How do you unwind? How do you reset? Well, I mean, so a lot of my unwinding, actually, to be honest with you, and I know this is kind of doesn't really answer the question, but uh, I mean, once I leave work, I go work, uh, and that's kind of my unwinding. So I leave gotcha. my my job at Moz, and I unwind essentially with Stride, uh, uh, which actually helps a lot. Uh, but aside from that, it's typically just reading um, or going for a walk or something like that. I actually wrote a post on on avoiding burnout. I'm not sure if if you saw. It. Maybe we can link to it after, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few things that I do on a consistent basis to avoid um, burning out because I, I burn out pretty hard in the past. So there's a, a few like little things. I don't know if you would call them hobbies, but they're just things that I do to kind of make sure that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't burn myself out from working too much. Yep. Um, you, you write on the subtle platform, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you, you, you state that you're not a guru. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know we've kind of already alluded to this, but why not? I mean, why is guru a dirty word? I don't know. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I didn't think about that too much. Like, you know, everybody, when they write their bio, they have something witty, right? If there's something trying to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, condescending, right? Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think at a fundamental level, right? Like, whenever you're writing about startups, right? Uh, there's a lot of, you're making a lot of assumptions, right? And a lot of the advice that I have on my blog, like that's what works for me, right? But yeah. it's not, a, it's not a, um, a silver bullet, right? And I think a lot of people when they write about startups or marketing or whatever it may be, they, they put it very much in like, oh, I'm a guru, I know this stuff, yeah. like you need to listen to me. And that's not really how I think about my writing. I think about it as one opinion and take it as you will. And if, it, if, it, if it's applicable to you, great. If not, then, you know, so be it, right? So that's kind of why I, I use that. I don't know. If that means yeah, yeah. anything, but yeah, that's kind of why. Yeah, 
And it's kind of, a, I think the word guru has been so milked and so overused that by saying you're not a guru, I think for me anyway, it just kind of adds a little bit of credibility. For I mean, I know that sounds a bit odd, but it's yeah, like, right. okay, so you're not pretending to have all the answers, uh, but here's your opinion and here's your ideas and, you know, take them or leave them. Yeah, I, I hate the, I hate the, I mean, if you look around the, the, the web, there's a lot of this. There's this, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of people putting up a facade to make themselves seem more important and seem like the... The default source, when really that's that's all just, it's it's kind of bullshit, honestly. I mean, there's yeah. no one knows everything, right? That's We're all right. just trying to figure it out. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's so it's so refreshing to hear that because it's and it's so true because this landscape changes almost on a daily basis, doesn't it? So it's oh, like, absolutely. You know, you can't have all the answers because tomorrow it's going to be different. You know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of people, you know, they do a case study in their own business and they're like, "This is the way it it, it is because that's how it was for my business." But that's great for your business, but you know, there's a lot of diff- subtleties between businesses, and it may not, you know, uh, correlate directly between between different businesses. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's really easy to reverse engineer success, but it's really difficult to kind of forward plan success. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Stride. Um, Stride app. I'll link to this in the show notes. Stride app is a CRM, which we're going to talk about. How did the idea for Stride come about? Uh, yeah, so it was actually um, Nathan uh, Karn's idea, um, who is one of our co-founders, and uh, he actually owns a small design agency in Bellingham, which is just north of Seattle, and uh, him and I have been a buddy, buddies for a long time, and he had this problem as a uh, small agency business owner um, that they didn't have a salesperson, they didn't have a, um, somebody to go get new clients, it was him as the owner of the company that played that role of trying to bring on new clients. And every tool that he used, like the high-rises and um, Salesforce and these you know, very heavy contact managers were built for full-time salespeople, not for you know, small agency business owners, right? So basically the concept was to take that complex CRM world and try to distill it down into the fundamental thing that a small agency business owner would need, and that's kind of what Stride is. So if you get in there, I guess you could call it a CRM, but really it's more of a lead tracker or sales tracker um, for new clients in a lot of cases. Like if you look at our customer base, it's primarily small agencies that use it. Um, And they use it because it's simple, it's quick, it's efficient, and allows them to focus on the important part of their business, which is keeping their clients happy and doing good work. And the sales piece is just something that they have to do. So that's kind of, you know, was a concept behind it. And the interface is gorgeous, by the way. I'm, I'm Thanks. Understand. Yeah, well, that's, that's Nathan's uh, work doing that. He's done an amazing job with it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's a very crowded marketplace, this, you know, yeah. this, you know, as you said, there's Salesforce, there's HiRise, there's PipeDrive, there's MySky. There's, I mean, there's a new one coming out every week. Uh, I yeah. think I've taken just about every single one of them for a spin. Um, how do you differ? How do you, how do you establish your own little kind of corner of the room in that marketplace? Well, I think we need to be, I think we are really focused. I think that's probably the most important thing, right? So if we came out and we said, hey, we're a contact manager and, um, you know, we want to solve all certain, you know, types of use cases, then, you know, we would have a very hard time doing that. But like I said, we're very focused on um, small agencies and small businesses specifically. Um, and a lot of salespeople, we simply say, hey, we don't think this is the right product for you. So we're very good at saying, this is not your product. You know, this is not what you're looking for. Try Salesforce, try Highrise. Um, and I think we do a good job of solving the need for our target market anyway. So I think it's just being really focused. Um, I think that's helped us a lot. How do, you, how do you, just on that, how do you avoid the, um, 
you know, there's a real kind of trap of like trying to be everything to everyone because of the yeah. fear of missing out on a larger slice of the pie. So how do you stay really focused on what it is you do and avoid chasing those opportunities, which could eventually just be distractions? Yeah, well, we, uh, so we really trust our team to, uh, to own their certain segments of the business. So um, Nathan is our, our uh, he's the guy that opens the gate or closes the gate on any new feature requests, right? Uh-huh. So um, because he is our target user and he is our, our product designer and UX guy, and it's, that's his job, that's what he's really, really good at. Um, so it's up to him. Uh, so we say you own the product and, uh, you know, you, we, we have this submission form through user voice for people to submit ideas. And if it doesn't solve the use case that we're trying to solve for the customer that we're trying to target, then we say no. And it's really hard saying no and people get upset. Um, but you have to do it, especially in a crowded space like we're in. Mm. Um, so it's just being very disciplined with it and having clear roles of who makes the decisions on the product and making sure that you trust them. That's so that's uh, it, it kind of demonstrates a real confidence that if, if a customer complains because you're not going to add a feature and maybe they bounce and they don't use the product anymore, well, that's okay. You're just not a good fit for us. You know, there's plenty of other right. solutions that you can use, but we're staying focused to build the best product for the, our, our perfect customer. Yeah, and, and especially as a side project, right? It's like, it's impo- I mean, it's impossible for a company that's, you're, you have a huge team and you're working on it full time to try to keep up with all the feature requests, right? It's impossible for a team like us that's really small and working on it evenings, weekends yeah. uh, to try to do that. So we just say, we can't, you know, this is our focus. This is who we're trying to, to solve a problem for. And that's, that's just the nature of it. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah, but we do, we do lose a lot of customers because of it. And, you know, we've just made the decision that that's, that's okay for our, our, you know, where we're at right now and what we want to do. So, so how do you communicate? <clears throat> How, how does that differ, how does that differentiator inform the way that you communicate in your marketing and you know to get new clients and also to your existing customers? Yeah, well, I mean, we focus a lot on the simplicity uh, message, right? Um, and I think for a lot of people that are kind of fed up with CRM products as a whole, when they look for a new product, they look for simplicity. So I think that we we resonate with a lot of people there. And then from that point, once they get in the app, it's up to them to make the decision whether this actually solves their their need. But um, in terms of messaging that to people that submit it, you know, we're we're very transparent with it. Um, you know, we want to support people, but. You know, we make it very clear that we, hey, we just can't do this because it doesn't align with our, our vision of the product, and most people are okay with that. I mean, there's plenty of other options out there, right? I mean, yeah. That's the nature of the industry, or our market specifically. Yeah. So. And what is your, um, <clears throat> this isn't in the script, but I thought I'd just ask this anyway. What is your onboarding uh, process? Is it, is, it a, a, well, is it a one-month free trial, or is it, a, how, is it a free plan you can then upgrade with limited features? What's the, the process? Yeah, actually, this is a, this is a big topic, but I think... Uh, so we, we went with freemium initially, and actually the product is still freemium, but we're actually getting together this weekend to move it over to a free trial. Mm. Um, and the reason for that, you know, if there's people listening here that are building a software product, from our experience with our product, freemium is really, really tough, especially when you have a very focused market that you're going after. Yep. Um, the amount of customers that you can you know, get there. It, it, freemium works when it's an Evernote or it's a Dropbox, and there is true viral you know, aspects to a product, and we were trying to force that. So I think we made a mistake there. Um, so it's freemium now, but eventually it will be free trial, um, you know, 30-day or 14-day free trial. We haven't decided that yet. Um, but I think that'll work better because the problem what we have today on Stride is that a lot of people sign up, they don't really get around to using it, and then they don't convert. We have, you know, somewhere around like 20,000 registered users, but only, you know, three or 400 paying users, right? So 
Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the struggle with freemium. So think about that if you're building your own product. And also with freemium, you end up with a lot of people just kicking the tires, taking it for a test right. drive because there's no risk and then actually going, well, this isn't the right product for me. Right. Whereas if they have to invest even if they have to put in a credit card details and say, well, it's not going to be charged for 30 days, it's some, there's more skin in the game, isn't there? There's more of yes. a commitment, so they do more research before they actually take that step. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the number of people that created an account and then pretty much left after, or you know, created you know, one deal or something like that and just kind of left, like, it's a huge number of people, and I think that's because there's no, there's no incentive to, to, to kick the tires truly um, up front. So, you know, they, they say they'll come back to it and they never actually do. So yeah, it's, it's one of the difficulties with freemium. Yeah. Um, let's talk about content marketing and thought leadership. <laughs> <laughs> hey, more, more buzzwords. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is, this is, there's a, there's a few questions here, right? But this is, this is actually the conversation that I want to have is that, you know, I, because I look at, I look at Rand, for example, who I interviewed for our previous podcast, and I look at, you know, guys like yourself who are writing on the subtle platform. I look at guys like ADPNR who are, you know, constantly blogging about their experiences and the mistakes they make, and they're really transparent in their in their experiences and, and putting that content out. And for me, it's a form of content marketing, and it's also, you know, the problem with thought leadership is that you actually have to have thoughts with leadership qualities. You know, you have to be thinking ahead of the pack and publish those thoughts. So there's all this kind of hype, and, and as you said before, there's all this bullshit around content marketing and thought leadership. I think it's really important, and I guess the conversation I wanna have is, on a really genuine level, how do you publish thought leadership, or how do you publish really inspiring thought leading content and, and make that work for you, you know, rather than, rather than just regurgitate and recycle and kind of curate what, what everyone else is doing? You know, do you have like a do you have a system or a process or a structure or reminders in place to actually prompt you to sit down and put those thoughts onto paper? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that it, once you start writing, uh, you start thinking about what you would write about a lot in your daily life, right? So you come across things that you learn, and you're like, okay, is that enough? I find myself actually thinking a lot. Um, is there enough value there for it to be a blog post? And is there enough new information, right? Um, that I'm learning that hasn't been, you know, published widely before that I think would be valuable to people. And if so, um, then I typically write something. But I think for content marketing to be successful and blogging or writing in general, I think it needs to be a very, and if you look at Rand and you look at uh, Audi, it's, it's people that very transparently uh, talk about their failures and their successes equally. And... Um, you know, are not doing it for a financial gain in a lot of cases, right? Um, and, you know, that's, that's why I actually really like Subtle because I have no temptation of, of you know, pushing people into an email list or, uh, or putting ads everywhere. I mean, my, my fundamental goal of writing is literally just to try to help people. And, you know, a lot of it too is fleshing out um, ideas and, and what actually happens in my own mind so I truly understand it and grasp it. So, yeah, I think it's just a... You know, it becomes a it becomes a way to take what's in your mind and, and put on paper and try to help people and, and that's the real key to content marketing. It's not, you know, doing it to get people to sign up for a software product or get more ad clicks or whatever it may be. So and I think that's that's when you look at Rand and you look at those guys, like that's what they're doing really, really well and that's why they're mm. good at it. And I think I think that intent you can kind of smell the intent a mile off. Oh totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's super important though. I mean, that's like 
as a, especially as a startup, right? Like I know we talked about intent, uh, intent and it needs to be, you need to have good intent. But for a startup, if you do have good intent and you produce really good content, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's how we grew Moz really from day one. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were a blog first actually before a product. Yeah. Um, so that just goes to show the power of blogging, right? Yeah, yeah. Done consistently. How do you, do you have any kind of um, processes or, or tools that you use to keep you consistent? Yeah, I mean, I, I use just a task manager uh, with a section for um, blog topics. Oh, and yeah. I, if I have an idea, I throw them in there and then I, when I'm ready to blog. So actually on my calendar, I have one day a week blocked out for blogging. Sometimes it doesn't work because yeah. I sit down and I'm like, gosh, I'm not in the mood for writing right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I don't have anything really that I'm really passionate about to write. Um, so I, I don't do it, but I always have a block in my calendar at least one day a week to write. And then I have a feed of... of ideas, potential ideas that I've accumulated through the week that I think may be interesting. So I kind of just do that when I'm ready to or want to think about blogging. So just to wrap this kind of theme up on, on the blogging thing, how do you, like, I know there are a lot of people that don't blog because they're afraid that they're going to be criticized or judged or what people are going to think of them once they actually publish their opinions and thoughts online. How do you, if you don't have to overcome those fears, then what do you say to someone who has those fears? How can they overcome those fears? Well, you still have to overcome them. I still overcome them yeah. every time I, I publish a blog post. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, this is, you know, because you, you everything, you, you know, I think that the common perception that people have is that when you write something, you're like, gosh, everyone knows this, right? Like, yeah. why, is this even valuable? Right? And I can't tell you how many times I've had a blog post and I've read it and I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, but I typically publish, but a lot of times actually I, I don't publish and right. I kind of kick myself for it, right? So even the people like Rand and like Adi and, and whoever else, right, that you follow blogging, I guarantee you that they are doing the same thing. They write something <laughs> and they're like, oh man, this is not that great. <laughs> so I'm not going to publish it. So it's something that you have to deal with. And I think a lot of it is just trial and error and putting stuff out there. You know, you, the fear goes away slowly once you start publishing more. Yeah, that's right. Hit, just hit the publish button. Um, how do you, so, so your, biz dev, your, your business development at Moz and you're building Stride app, you know, in the evenings and on the weekends, how do you balance... Not only your time, but how do you balance your headspace between your role at Moz and your role with Stride? <laughs> yeah, that's really it's that's probably the hardest part. Uh, but you need to be very, very disciplined uh, in terms of what you do when you're at work. So when I'm at work, I close my Stride email. Uh, I don't let anything Stride related interfere with my Moz work. Um, and I get in really early too. Uh, I start earlier, so that frees up a lot of the evenings. Gotcha. Um, so I get in around 7 a.m. in, in uh, uh, you know over here and uh, work until about four or five. Uh, and then as soon as I leave work, then I kind of switch mentally into Moz. So you know I close my Moz email and I try to focus on on Stride. So it's really just a very clear distinction of I'm in Moz time, I'm in Stride time, and having that that clear separation. And I think in between going between those two focuses, you need to have a reset. So typically I go for like a walk or, you know, sit down and maybe watch TV for 30 minutes, just something to reset. So my mind is ready and I can start, you know, really working on it. So yeah, I think it's a combination of both those things. Yeah. When do you eat, man? Actually, in that, in that break that I just mentioned, yeah. <laughs> or, I, or I don't, or I have something, something small, quick, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, because you know a lot of our a lot of I know a lot of our audience are kind of doing client work during the day and building stuff 
on the side and it's I think it's it's it is really important to have that distinction and have some time in between where you just reset your focus so yeah I just wanted to cover off how you handle that um I mean, you can answer this from a Moz point of view or a Stride point of view, but what's the most important thing to know about finding and winning new customers? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, about finding and winning new customers. You know, I think, it's, uh, I think it's finding the channels that work for your business. And stop me if I'm going in the wrong direction here, but I think, you know, speaking to it from Moz, right, uh, we grow our business without a sales team, actually, which is kind of crazy being the size that we are. Um, so we found that content marketing and providing educational content is our best acquisition channel. Um, and we know that our potential customers, um, they become very good customers once they become educated in the topic. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's, it's figuring out the dynamic of who are our best customers and what are the things that, that we can do to, to encourage more of those best customers, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they have their product and they're like, okay, well, here's the template thing that I should do to acquire customers. And they try it and it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know what to do now. But I think the important thing is finding out of all those things, the things that really do work and, and spending a lot of time and resources on those because they're the best, they're the best acquisition channels. So I think at Moz, that's very much what we do. Uh, we focus on the things that really, really work for us. Um, and push aside the things that, that don't necessarily work as well for us. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I yeah, think yeah, it does because I think I mean uh, I th- because I think the most important thing is to actually know who your customer is. I mean that's yeah, the, right. that's that's the hard work that most people don't do. Most people go out there yes. with kind of the machine gun approach and just try and target everyone, and then wonder why their conversion rates are so low yeah, or they you know. Cool. Okay. Um, Let's elevate. So for those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants to build a better business. So we're going to talk a little bit now about the kind of freelance and consulting work, just a, a quick round of quick questions and answers. Um, what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Okay, I'm supposed to answer these quick. Huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the, the number one thing a freelancer needs to focus on is just knowing what they're really, really good at and finding people, well, or finding ways to delegate or get rid of the things that they're not as good at. Mm. Um, so that's through hiring, hiring people. I, I won't go too deep in that. I know this is a quick thing. So yeah, yes, no, that's, that's cool. That's know, a short know, answer. Your, know your strengths. Yeah, good. Um, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Um... I think it's actually using ex- or working through existing passionate um, your your best customers and using them as a key marketing channel to try to reach new customers like them. Uh, it's amazing how few people do that or do not do that. They don't use their customers that are very happy with them and love their product as marketing tools. Um, so I think that's probably the best thing. Awesome. How do you stop competing on price? You stop competing on price. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say, I mean, you, you just have to say, you know, you have to justify it, right? Uh, if your product is more expensive, justify it. And if you can't justify it, then don't compete on price. But if you feel like you have a compelling argument to justify it, then yeah, compete on price. It's just yep. as simple as that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is a trick question. Uh, who I ask everyone, but I know what you're going to say. Favorite tool or system for customer relationship management? <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually I use Stride every day, so I will say Stride. But uh, if I if Stride didn't exist, what I was using before that was High Rise. Cool. 
Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? You know, I, I can't answer that actually. I've never I've never really done formal consulting myself, so I, I don't know if I'm the best guy to, you to lucky ask that. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? I mean, gosh, I, I don't know. I, I I think well, you know, I do I do work with a lot of partners, which I imagine has some uh, you know it, there's some corollaries there between clients, um, and I think that the the most important thing to keep them on track is just communication, good and bad, letting them know when things are going good, letting them know when things are going bad, and having ongoing check-ins with them. I you know with any partnership I do, um, I have even after we we work together, I have an ongoing check-in with them to see you know how's this going, uh, are you happy, is there things we can do better, like you know what do we need to change. Um, so I think a lot of that is just communication. I think a lot of people forget about that. Yep, good advice. Um, so you spoke about existing customers. Have you got any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? Um, you know, it's funny because when you think about referrals from, from customers, a lot of people think that there needs to be some monetary component to that for people to want to refer a product. But if you truly delight a customer and you provide a lot of value for them, it's amazing how many people will refer your product without anything in return. Um, so I think it's just, you know, finding the right people is probably the, the most important part of getting referrals from customers. It's finding the people that are truly, truly passionate about your product and, and you know, giving them what they need to, prom to, to promote it for you. Um, so giving them the tools that they need, I think, is and finding the right people is the most important thing, not necessarily money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, the whole monetary reward for referral thing, for me, it's always felt a little bit icky. It kind of yeah, feels absolutely. like a little bit like the used car salesman thing, you know, yeah. like giving you a spotter's fee for sending your brother in there to buy a car, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, I know. It makes the person, I mean, because honestly, at the, at the end of the day, right, if we're thinking about, like, let's talk about from Stride, right? If we can give people, let's say, you know, five, ten dollars per, you know, new customer they bring in, because our product's not that expensive, um, you know, that's, that's almost like an insult to some people. Yeah. They're like, you know, don't even, don't worry about it, man. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I like your product, let me do that, right? So yeah. I, think, I think it cheapens it in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, actually. Yeah. Um, you may have already answered this question, but what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? As a person or as a product? Well, as a, look, as a product or as a, as a consultant? Because as a consultant, what you're selling is a product. You're selling your skill set, right, and your, information, your, your knowledge. So what's the number one thing you can do to actually set yourself apart from all the other players? I think, I think if you look at the successful consultants, the people that are charging a lot of money and have a lot of clients that want to work with them, it's actually the thought leadership portion. Um, so it's finding your area of expertise and being very focused on that and putting a lot of great content and transparent discussions out there around that topic, and then you become the source for that, right? So I think the people that really are owning consulting, at least in whatever their, their, their focus is, they always do that. The people that are, have, are able to charge a lot and have a lot of clients, that's what they all are really, really good at. So I think, I think a lot of you know, consultants, at least like designers and, and web developers, they get so focused in the work that they're doing, which is very important, obviously, but they forget about the, the promotional aspect of it and their brand building um, behind that, which is also very important. So I think it's having a fine balance between the two. Yep. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about the future. What is the future for the Stride app? Where do you see it in 12 months' time? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, we want, to, we want to continue to evolve the product to solve the problem that we're trying to solve better. Um, you know, we think it's really close. The product has evolved a lot, so it's been out there since uh, March of 2012. So we've been iterating on it for quite some time. 
Um, so it's evolved a lot and it's gotten a lot better. Um, but I think that there's still more to do. So I think it's just continually uh, evolving the product and you know trying to help as many people as possible with with you know the problem that we're trying to solve. So yeah, nothing too crazy. I think it's just continuing to to evolve on it. Yeah. Um, what's the future of Moz and SEO? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> okay, everyone, um, so, make make yourself another cuppa. We could be here a while. <laughs> yeah, right. This this is a big topic too. It is. Uh, it is. But no, I mean, from so for Moz as a company, I mean, we um, we are kind of expanding our focus, which actually segues pretty well into where SEO is going, right? So um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without going too too long on this. But uh, so SEO traditionally has been um, building links and having a bunch of content on your site that could get indexed by search engines, right? Um, that is not the way it works today. Uh, fundam or SEO has become a fun fundamental technical type position where you need to make sure that you have a meta description, that you've targeted your keywords correctly, that you have your, your page structure set up correctly, that you can be crawled. It's a very technical, fundamental function, right? But the important piece of SEO now that didn't exist before is the social aspect. Social signal signals are becoming very important for search. So we did this study and the correlation between plus ones and your ranking potential, mm. is actually, there's a high correlation there. Um, so social media marketing is becoming really, really important. Um, content marketing is becoming really, really important. Um, you, don't, you aren't able, if you don't have uh, a lot of content indexed in the search engine and you don't have a lot of social signals pointing back to that content and links from other authoritative sites to that content, then you aren't going to rank well, right? So, so SEO is kind of involved into this combination of technical fundamentals, um, social media marketing, and content marketing, and kind of blending them all together. Um, so that's a very long-winded answer of saying SEO is changing a lot, um, and it's becoming a broader online marketing type position. Um, you know, and that's kind of where Moz is going is is going to help people do that that function better. So it's changed a lot. Do you think do you think the term SEO will eventually die and will be replaced with something like content marketing optimization or social optimization or conversion optimization or um you know that's a tough one actually uh you know I think it may actually I think SEO the term SEO will die but I think at, in the fundamental sense it's still going to be there right like the the things that SEOs do today are still going to be important they may be important on different channels than just Google uh, and you know start mattering more on social mm. um, but yeah I think I think from a fundamental level it'll still be around but you're right I think the term may go away I hope it goes away <laughs> no I know a lot of actually a lot of SEOs want it to go away because yeah. there's a lot of negative stuff that goes with it yeah so. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and where will Andrew Dumont be in three years from now? That's a good question too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> um, I don't know. Hopefully still doing this, to be honest with you. Uh, I love building products and, and uh, you know, doing startups. So if I could do startups for the rest of my life, I'd be a very happy guy. Um, so I actually hope I'm still doing this, to be honest with you. I hope I am more focused maybe down the line and not trying to being spread so thin. But uh, yeah, very happy now doing what I'm doing. And That's I, I the eternal to... battle of the entrepreneur, isn't it? Like yes, staying focused. Really, it really <laughs> How many plates can I spin at once without them breaking? You know. <laughs> uh, and you always try to go to the max. You always try to go to the max. Yeah. 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 
All right. Hey, just before we wrap up, I'm going to give you the details on the competition. As I said, Andrew is giving away two months of the freelancer plan of Stride app. Uh, so how to enter that competition is very simply leave us a comment underneath this video and tell us the one feature that you would like to see in Stride app. Uh, go and check out Stride app and have a look at the website and have a look at what it does, have a look at the feature set and then say, okay, if this had this feature, I would uh, definitely use it. I'm gonna actually kick this off and say the one thing that I would love to see in Stride app, and I hope it doesn't already do it because I don't think it did when I checked it out a while ago, I really want to get out of my inbox completely and I, I really want in-app emailing. And also, like I just want to be able to send and receive all my emails for a particular client in the app and have the whole history kind of there without having to BCC or forward or any of that kind of junk. So I know it's a huge problem. I know it's a, it's a big problem yeah. to solve. But hey, that's the one thing that I would love to see in it. Um, so hopefully that kicks off a conversation. Do you, uh, okay, yeah. Do you mind if I respond to that? Please, the, please, please, absolutely. Okay, okay, yeah. So, uh, so yes, I completely agree. Uh, and obviously, that's a huge problem, right? And we didn't want to go the route of building our own email client within the app, right? Like that's obviously a huge undertaking. It is, yeah. Um, so, and in, integrating well with all the email providers is also a huge, huge undertaking. Yep. Um, so we actually partnered with uh, a company called Equire. Um, who plays nicely with all the different email providers and social networks to be able to send threads that you have in email over to Stride. Um, so that's a nice way of getting there. Um, it's not the exactly what you're mentioning, but I think yeah. it I think it solves a problem for most people. So, yeah. but yes, that's a fantastic idea, and we would love to do it eventually. And I hope we do get there eventually. Yeah. it is it is a big problem, I and mean, not not many of the CRMs do it. I mean, even High Rise, it's done via a BCC Dropbox um, yep. contactually, which I'm using at the moment, uh, is good for doing emailing from within the app but responses still come to your inbox they don't actually you know right. I, it's just for me it's just about getting out of the inbox and actually being focused on crm so i am now in this app and it is it's a huge problem to solve um and i look forward to the day when uh, when stride can solve it <laughs> yeah I, me too me too <laughs> uh so anyway there's my ideas so you guys leave your ideas under the video and uh and give andrew some feedback on what you want to see in stride and you might pick up a couple of months uh free on the freelancer plan i'll have andrew swing by in a week or so and award the winner how's that sound good great awesome hey uh what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business uh, I think it's just go go do it. Uh, I think a lot of people, the hardest part is just getting past the self discussions that you're having in your own mind of why it wouldn't work or why it's a dumb idea or why it's a crowded market. And at the end of the day, you just have to go do it because the worst thing that can happen is that you learn a, you learn a bunch and it the the product doesn't work and you know so be it right. Uh, yeah. But you learned a ton, so just do it and get past that, that initial hurdle because it's the hardest thing to get past. Awesome. It's such good advice. It, uh, so many people say the same thing. Just do it. Just ship something. Yeah, just make, I know. Just, it's for good. Just build something. Yeah. yeah. Um, where can people reach out to say thanks, Andrew? Uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, hello at andrewdumont.me, which is where my blog is at, and I'm on Twitter at andrewdumont as well. So, yeah, feel free to reach out to me either one of those places. Sweet. I will stick those links under the show notes. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Oh man! Uh, so you interviewed Rand already, right? Because that was going to be my first. I interviewed Rand on our old podcast, on the Compress podcast. Okay. I I do want to get him back at some point on uh, on WP Elevation. So my two favorite people when it comes to SaaS are uh, Neil Patel, which I'm not sure if you you've interviewed before. I haven't. And uh, uh, but yeah, I know Neil. Yeah, well, I know of Neil. Yeah, yep. and uh, and Ruben uh, Gamez as well. Yes. I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name yep. right, but he runs Bid Sketch and he's he sure an does. awesome guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, well, actually, they're two people I would love to interview. Um, I use BidSketch a lot. Uh, we're actually okay. um, in the process of uh, doing some work with uh, Single Grain, which is one of Neil's um, yeah. uh, marketing agencies. So they're two people who aren't actually on my list but were in my mind. So thank you for bringing them to the forefront. Neil Patel and Ruben from BidSketch, I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Andrew Dumont, for an yes, interview. Yes, and I will give you their emails, and I'm close with both of them. So awesome. I will do that. So you can make that happen. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, Andrew, thank you very much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors at Moz and at Stride app. Thanks. I appreciate it. Cheers.